Good morning. How you doing? How you feeling? It is October 4th, Wednesday, 2023. It's about 9.15 in the morning. I'm your host, Tony, and my co-host, Grumpy Bear. We are the morning show here on the Labor Network. We're here to connect with folks in Richmond, across Virginia, across the country, anywhere, really, uh, for folks who are working people, folks who do the jobs that other people don't want to do. Uh, we are here to connect with folks who, who work in hotels. I've worked in hotels for 15 years until Shameen Hotels here in Richmond fired me for organizing hotel workers. We're here to talk to the wonderful folks that work jobs like driving trucks around the city, full of the packages you want, the ladies who clean the rooms at your hotels. We're talking about the people who work at fast food, quick service restaurants, bartenders. We're talking about actors. We're talking about all kinds of people that labor, right? Work with their hands, work with their bodies. It's hard work. Uh, and we are here every morning to share stories about how working people can enhance their vibration to vibrate a life of health and wealth. All right. Give me one moment here. And again, because we are starting things off, uh, I am my Virginia's for Unions shirt, uh, part of my good vibration for today and some of the things we're going to talk about. Because remember, here in Richmond, in Richmond, Virginia, the capital of the Confederacy where we broadcast live, we need some good vibrations to really uh, give us the confidence and the courage to stand up, get organized, and fight the folks with social financial, educational capital who are trying to keep us down. So we're going to vibrate. I use some crystals to vibrate. You know, you can pray. I got to go to Mass. Mass is at noon today with Father Jim um, over at St. Elizabeth. So I got to scoot over there after this. But uh, we use our crystals. We're vibrating good vibrations. You know, uh, we're asking God to give us a good day, right? Or maybe we can organize. Who knows? Um, but as always, before you know, we get going, we want to remind folks if, uh, if forget our website, forget how to find us. You know, of course, we've got up uh, here. We've got TLN dot one. Uh, you of course can call in as well. We'd love to have you. But if that website is hard to remember, uh, the Labor Network TLN dot one. We also have an easier one. Labor.money, labor.money. Um, if you're not sure how to find us, go to www.labor.money. Easy way to get a hold of us and watch our stuff anytime you want, 24 7, 365. Great. Well, moving on, we are going to, you know, we love fake news. We, we love seeing 
the garbage that is in Richmond because, you know, we think that in Richmond you should have access to good stories about working people gaining more, earning, getting what they deserve, right? Earning the lifestyle that they deserve after doing all the hard work. But let's see if Richmond.com, your city's news source, has anything good. Uh, usually it does not. So, again, big big ad here on Richmond.com. What a junky site. Um, U.S. healthcare workers go on strike over wages. Well, that's good. We love that. Uh, Kaiser Permanente, good for them going on strike. We love to see that. Um, folks have a right to demand what they demand. So good. I'm glad, I'm glad Richmond.com finally has a decent story on it. I bet you I can't see it because of a paywall, but yeah, that's fine. I actually did subscribe to them, but uh, it doesn't work because, you know, Richmond is junk. <laughs> so I have to call them later and figure it out because I actually do have an article that a friend sent me from them that I want to share. But uh, my point is, normally junk, I don't even look before I come here uh, because I know that it's going to be garbage. I know that this website doesn't care about you. Uh, child hurt at the state fair. Not a story. Sorry for the child, but um, you know, that's Dirty Laundry, Don Henley. Report. Billionaire donates $2 million as Youngkin's pack sets record pace. Again, nobody's shocked. The guy's fucking help. Didn't he help find the Carlisle group? I mean, come on. Of course he has billionaire friends. None of you know anything about the Carlisle group. Certainly none of you have ever met anybody that founded the Carlisle group. I have at a wedding. Of course I have, right? That's just par for the course as we talk about these things. So, um, not a shock there. Education, yeah, no kidding. Uh, maybe we'll read some of these more once we get our article. The Tiger King star banned from dealing exotic animals in Virginia. Is that a story? Absolutely, it's not. High school football, I get it. People love high school football. And again, as long as we're not teaching the kids that they're going to end up playing in the pros, making millions, because that ain't going to happen for your children. It just isn't. What did we see yesterday? 1,600? No. I mean, people, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was 1,696 active NFL players, something like that. Millions and millions of kids. Your kid ain't got to be one of them. So, fine. Uh, athletics, wonderful. You know, NFL Players Association, great. Um, your kid wants to go play college sports. That's a great thing. Uh, but then it's time to grow up. So, yeah. Virginia regulators approved break on Obamacare premiums. Obamacare, my goodness. Obama sure tried, but yikes. Uh, um, again. Richmond, historical homes you can own. Well, I'm a working person. I don't have the money to own a home. So, uh, once again, this junk site. No relationship with the reality that is my life. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Um find better sources of information, news and opinions, maybe, right? And maybe that's what we're here to, to do, and maybe we can help you with that. Again, I'm sitting this camera. I'm just fiddling with it. It's, uh... I want you to be able to see my shirt, but I don't like to be all up in your face. Virginia is for unions because we know that you need a union like you need a car. 
right? So we talk about this almost every day, every morning. Uh, we know there's a lot of cars out there for you. There's cars, there's trucks, there's minivans, there's planes, trains, and other automobiles. Well, there's a bajillion unions out there for you too. One of them is definitely going to be the right fit for you, we think. Um, whether it is the Teamsters or SEIU or whether it's AFL-CIO or Unite Here, or United Auto Workers or SAG-AFTRA, Culinary Workers, United um, Campus Workers. You know, we, we talk about so many different kinds of unions here on this show because we want everybody to know that there are many, many different unions out there. Many, most, nearly, I would say all. I've yet to find one union that that cares about working people less than an owner. I've met a lot of owners. You haven't met any owners. Uh, you all are busy saying things like, a boss is this, the boss is that. Bosses haven't made decisions or had access to capital in forever. I was a boss, big boss at this company. Very few things I could get done. A lot more than a normal person, for sure, but um, ownership is what matters, right? My point is this. You want to fight back your owners as a union for you. We got to help you find one. And we're here at the Labor Network, specifically in the morning show, to kind of go through maybe some articles about them and talk about them. So let's jump into that after I take a sip of coffee. This is from my Love is Love mug, human rights campaign collab with West Elm. Back when I used to have a house full of West Elm shit because I got paid good money. Uh, before Neil Amin and Shamin Hotels fired me for helping their hotel workers organize to form a union. Let me try. Alrighty. And we're going to do one union story, then we're going to have some fun, and then we're going to get back to a similar story. So bear with me as we set this up. All right, and we are going to start off with our friends at Teamster, teamster.org. Our Teamster friends uh, releasing an article here. I think it was yesterday. Again, great, great, great website. Clean, easy to read articles. You can't beat that. And uh, excuse me, sorry about those sniffles. It is early October, so you all are going to get sniffles from me for a few weeks as the weather changes. But here from teamster.org, her student workers in New London join teamsters we've got uh, some lovely folks there this is drivers monitors aid secure teamster representation from new london connecticut uh this is released i think yesterday october 3rd first student workers in new london have voted overwhelmingly to join teamsters local 493 the 67 bus operators monitors and aides provide transportation services for the new london school district uh, to quote a quote from Craig Mitchell, president of Local 493 in Uncasville, congratulations to these hardworking men and women on organizing their victory. These workers were motivated and determined to get the strongest possible contract, and that's why they overwhelmingly voted to join North America's strongest union. We are grateful these workers sought out teams to representation, and we look forward to getting them the contract they deserve. The workers are now covered under First Student National Master Agreement, the largest collective bargaining agreement at any private school bus company in the United States, right? 
Uh, another quote here, a quote from Tiffany Hook, who's a bus driver and union steward at Local 493. Tiffany saying, quote, My co-workers and I are thrilled to work alongside 493. We are looking forward to our future with the Teamsters and everything they have to offer us, end quote. I love this article, um, and I'm going to tell you why. It's the same thing I tell you all every day, why I love these articles, especially uh, the ones that we see on the Teamster newsroom, uh, because they're easy to read and understand. But here's what I love. For one, you'll see here that this is 67 people. I tried to highlight that, but I did a bad job of it, and that's okay. Uh, small screen. Also, I've got a sneeze, so hold tight. How unsightly. <laughs> but truly, this story emphasizes the point I always make about uh, these Teamster articles, and, and some of the other unions do a great job, too. But Teamsters does a good job of calling it out. 67 people is not a thousand people. It's not tens of thousands of people. Uh, you know, we know uh, that that Teamsters, they, you know, they represent uh, over a million some odd people, right? And so we know uh, that, you know, they're... <laughs> But they've got some big, big numbers, 1.2 million members, right? And so we know um, that for them to focus on these 67 people is fantastic. And that's what they do. And that's what a union's all about, right? It's about your smaller workplace coming together and sort of stitching together uh, that power across the country. And I think the Teamsters do a great job of that, as do... Um, most of these other major unions as well, they really understand um, that, you know, they, you don't have to have a big work site to get a union. You don't need to have 100,000 people to get a fair contract. You can do this at small work sites. When I worked in hotels, you know, I worked for a company of 3,300 people, uh, but it was divided over, you know, 65 some odd hotels. And so each hotel theoretically would have to have had its own union. And each of those hotels would have probably only been about 15 to 20 people, maybe a little bit more, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's important to know that unions really are at small work sites like yours. And small work sites like here in New London, uh, where the Teamsters are, you know, are fighting <laughs> for these bus, these student drivers, right? Um. Another thing that's really important to me about this article, bus driving is hard work. Transporting these obnoxious students is hard work. I've been an obnoxious student on a bus, not for very long, thankfully. I only had to ride the bus like two, two years of my life. Um, but I know how your children behave. Your children behave badly on the bus. Every kid behaves badly on the bus. It's what you do. It's the bus. And these workers are the folks who have to deal with your obnoxious little children. I love kids, but on the bus, they behave like little monsters. And these workers are the ones who put up with them, right? 
sorry, one of these days, I'm going to figure out how to point to the thing on my camera the right way. That's a hard job. Working people do these hard jobs. Um, folks with college degrees, you know, from the local Yokel State University, they got a degree in marketing. Jennifer, she married a guy named Brad. He also went to, you know, he went to another state school down the way. Uh, you know, Pumpernickel State University, home of the flying uh, penguins. It's great. They were a match made in heaven. And now the two of them, they've got a lovely little house. They've got two cars in the garage. Each of them making, you know, 80, 90 grand a year. Uh, they're living life fantastic. They don't do working jobs. They don't deal with your shitty students on the bus. Uh, they don't deal with checking you in at your hotel. They don't get you your food and your drink at the restaurant. Who's going to stand up to them? They can afford to pay, right? Uh, a union. Getting together, getting organized. That's how you're going to stand up to the Brads and the Jennifers of the world and get that money, right? Get those benefits, wages, working conditions that you deserve. I don't know what to tell you. You need a union like you need a car. Teamsters might be the union for you. All right. Um, we're going to stop with that one for a minute. I'm going to get back over here to my larger camera. Uh, I'm going to share now. I'm going to read from an article. I don't have the full one online because my subscription doesn't work. So I can read some clips from it. Uh, and I want to uh, do that. But before we do all of that, um, let's have some cuckoo fun just for a moment. And we're going to do what we do every day. We're going to do a little tchotchke. We're going to do our word of the day. And then we're going to get back to a special story here on the morning show. So give me just a moment as I fire those up. Alrighty, we are back with our word of the day from Merriam-Webster. It is splenetic. Splenetic is a formal word that typically describes expressions of sharp annoyance and anger. Used in a sentence, the newspaper publisher's splenetic editorials often struck fear into local politicians. So you might say for somebody like me, I have a... Uh, splenetic commentary about political leaders and folks who are anti-working people and anti-labor. I have splenetic uh, commentary I deliver through the labor network on them. That is our word of the day, splenetic. 
All right. Um, I now, before we, before we get into our little special story, we're also going to do a little tchotchke. Try to do a little tchotchke every day, a little fun tchotchke. Maybe I should start wearing sunglasses when I do this show. I kind of like doing that a little bit more, hides my eyes. Uh, but these are my fun uh, tchotchke for today. They're from Shameen Hotel. Shameen Hotels firing Tony Miller, me, for organizing their hotel workers. But I got a pair of these from them uh, one year. So just in case you don't think I ever actually did anything uh, with them for them, that I'm making this all up, which I'm clearly not. Why else would I be in Richmond, Virginia? Come on. Um, <laughs> my Shameen Chase. Maybe I'll start wearing them in the mornings when we do this show because it helps... Uh, you know, you feel more comfortable. So, fun little tchotchke word of the day. Um, before we read and go into uh, a book of wisdom or something, uh, I do want to have a special shout-out <clears throat> and a special little story that was sent to us from a friend. In fact, a friend used our information below, which you can see on the ticker. Uh, a friend reached out to us at 804-446-0469 and they shared a story from Richmond Times-Dispatch, uh, richmond.com, the junkie website we make fun of every morning. So I'm going to share uh, that right now. And then, uh, like I said, I couldn't necessarily... Um, get the full article for us this morning, but I do have a piece of it that I can share along with some messages and thoughts about it. So this is, oh, you know what? I'm going to do that Hold tight. Well, I can share this via my tabs here. Which is a little easier than sharing uh, the window, so. You might have seen this article a few days ago in Richmond.com, or in Richmond Times-Dispatch. In Richmond, leaky gas pipes could spark a fiscal meltdown. Uh, this was the first clip of the article itself so you know maybe you happen to grab a newspaper that day from richmond.com uh, if you did groovy for you but i guess the real key is you know what the heck what the heck are they even uh talking about right so um i had a chance to review the article in full Uh, here. And again, you can go get a copy of the paper, uh, grab it yourself. Um, but basically, you know, here's one major point. Documents obtained from DPU. This is about Richmond's Department of Public Utilities, DPU. And uh, they are in charge of gas, water bills, right? Uh, city workers within the Public Utilities Commission, uh, within the Public Utilities Department. Um, 
talking about here, you know, there's gas lines that could explode in Richmond. Uh, Richmond, uh, only Richmond, eighth largest in the U.S., operates without special oversight. Um, nine of the ten largest American municipality municipal gas utilities already report to a commission. So, you know, once again, uh, Richmond sort of behind the times, uh, as always. I mean, this place is a real dump. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> you know, terrible infrastructure here in Richmond. I think this is the person who wrote the article. Um, not a hundred percent sure, you know, what their, what their play is here. So I'm going to keep the clip of this up, you know, as I talk about this a little bit more. And I'm going to tag this with our unity union, right? So very important to know that the city workers involved here in this story, Department of Public Utility, uh, these workers are now in a position where they can vote and are voting to join a union if they so choose. Uh, we know, you know, we saw every day here, we try to highlight our friends at SDIU 512 who have recently won some city workers. Uh, but we also know that uh, you know, other groups of city workers are participating in elections and unions with other unions. And of course, they could choose not to have a union. I don't know why in heaven's name anybody would do that couldn't tell you um we hope i hope that these city workers they hope that they vote for a union and here's what i can share with you uh just kind of being in the local neighborhood certainly i can't use anybody's real names or real faces uh, that would be not okay but i'll tell you that Richmond city workers um, have shared with me that the management in the city has been brutal to them. Uh, they they are interested in organizing with the union because uh, city workers, you know, they know they deserve better wages. They know they deserve safer and better working conditions. They know that they deserve the benefits um, that they've rightfully earned by providing all these services that, again, wealthy people in Richmond, not doing, okay? I work for Neil Amin, one of the wealthiest individuals in Richmond, Virginia. He and his buddies, they don't take out the trash. They're not fixing the gas pipes. They're not doing any of this shit, right? This is hard work. This is essential work that keeps your city running. And these workers deserve what's theirs. So... You know, I don't know what to tell you um, other than the fact that we need to listen when these city workers tell us uh, that there's a problem and that they deserve better. Now, here's what I'll share as well from what I've heard. I know, um, and I'm going to share their Instagram here right now, I know that a lot of these city workers are considering joining Teamsters here in Richmond. So Teamsters 322, uh, you see I've got their sticker right here on the back of my laptop. Local 322, great folks. Uh, this is their Instagram here. 
I encourage you to check it out. RVA City Workers for Teamsters. These are the workers employed by the city of Richmond who seek to form a union with the Teamsters. So they're not Teamsters yet, but these are folks who are saying, hey, uh, you know, we want to join the Teamsters. We're going to vote for the Teamsters. You know, we believe that these folks are going to help us get the contract and the wins we deserve, right? So that's their Instagram right there, RBA City Workers for the Teamsters. This is them sharing their stories here. So as I've chatted with a few of them, um, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that it has come to my attention that a few of these workers have been grossly mistreated. Uh, my understanding as talking with them, and again, no names. Uh, you know, I call everybody Jennifer and Brad. I'm going to use that here. So, you know, phony names. Uh, my understanding is we've got two workers, uh, both of whom were fired wrongfully, let go from the city. Uh, one a while ago, one pretty recently. And I'm telling you what I hear is that both of those workers are back on the job, getting paid what they ought to be paid, getting the benefits that they've rightfully earned. They are back on the job for one reason alone, one singular uh, singular organization is helping them out. Uh, and of course, that is our, you know, that's our friends at Teamsters 322. Um, I, again, I cannot share full details because uh, I don't have all of them for one. And two, this is very, you know, in real time. So we've got to protect their identity. But we know, we know that two workers have been treated like bologna and cheese by Department of Public Utilities within the city. We know that they were targeted, targeted for being pro-union. We know that it is illegal to retaliate against them or fire them for being pro-union or talking about a union or having any conversation. But we know it happens to at least 50,000 workers a year at a minimum. We learned that last or a few weeks ago with Unemployed Workers United. And here we have another example in the city of Richmond of the crooked government knocking out targeting workers who say, hey, we have the right to stand together to form a union. Hey, we have the right guaranteed to us under the National Labor Relations Act signed by President Roosevelt. We know that we have every right to get together and demand that we get the wages, benefits, and working conditions we deserve. And we know that in Richmond, the city and the government are trying to stifle this. We know that they are targeting workers, firing them, getting rid of them, right? I was a worker who was gotten rid of. I know what that's like. I've been through that. And I'm telling you, nobody helped me on the back end. Luckily for at least these two workers, are there more? Probably there are. Probably there are. Uh, we don't know. But we know for these two workers that the reason they are in their jobs again today, as they should have been the whole time, is because our friends at the Teamsters... Well, 322 here in Richmond, great union, 
They are fighting for these folks. They are fighting back against um, the Department of Public Utilities. We support them. We hope that workers understand that when you need someone to stick up for you, you can't do a one-on-one. Remember my thing with the pencils? One of them you break apart, but together, you're going to stand together. So we're very grateful, uh, even though you know we don't have the full details yet. We know, um, we've at least heard, and we're going to trust the workers we've talked to. Uh, we've heard from them that the Teamsters are sticking up for them against Richmond City. So I want to extend an invitation, you know, I, I say this every day, but truly I mean it. Uh, I want you to call in, okay? If you are here in Richmond, Virginia, call in 804-446-0469. We'll put you right on here with me. You can do it live. We can do it pre-recorded. We can do this any way you'd like, but we want to hear from you. We want to get your side of the story, right? We want to hear what's going on. So just a reminder of what we can do if you call in and you want anonymity. Helen Encyclopedia with the stories, the horror stories that I've heard of bosses acting out of lying here in Richmond City and mistreating their workers. A story that comes to mind that still always freshes a worker who had... So remember, we can protect... That's me. That's my AI voice. So we can protect your face. We can protect your voice. We can do whatever you'd like. Uh, if you don't need that and you're like, no, hey, uh, fuck it. Let's just go on with my face and voice. You know, I wanna, I'm want i proud of that. That's fine, too. But we want to hear your story here in Richmond, Virginia. We want to hear about what is going on at Department of Public Utilities. You know, we want to know what is going on with the bosses there and how they are mistreating workers. We want to know about how the Teamsters are fighting back and standing up for these workers and honestly, you know, we know that the, that they're voting and we really, I really hope I, I, you know, I really hope that these folks uh, choose to align with the Teamsters who have done a lot for, for them even before going to a contract and even before winning formal recognition. So a big shout out to our friends working, our worker friends at Department of Public Utilities in the city of Richmond. And also you know, we hear that the Teamsters are helping them out locally, and we're grateful for that. All right, with that in mind, we are going to go ahead. I'm going to take a breather real quick uh, to get changed into a different T-shirt or something, stretch my legs. Uh, we'll be right back in just a moment. But before we do, as always... Before we go, shameless plug for the Red Derby. So, there we go. Shameless plug, as always, while I go get refreshed. Uh, I love this little... Ooh. Hints for trivia. Because tonight is Wednesday at the Red Derby. 
Um, it's also Wednesday in most parts of the world right now, except for uh, maybe in Australia. So Wednesday night means trivia night. Go to trivia. Uh, do I still know what the questions are? Yes. Do I read them? Not always. Never. <laughs> do I write them? Sometimes. Um, Wednesday, 7 p.m., Go to trivia. I'm not sure what the trivia theme is tonight, but I know you'll get your half price sides, your, your Paul Rudd sides, and then you're going to answer some fun questions. I don't know. Maybe you'll get them right. Maybe you'll get them wrong, but it's a tournament, uh, a fun new tournament. Get up the new tournament wall. I saw it. So very excited for you to do trivia at the Red Derby. And I will be uh, right back. Alrighty, and we are back. I'm sorry it's still a little cold, so thank you for letting me go get changed into my Ocean City, Maryland sweatshirt. Got this at a vintage store in D.C. For those of you who don't know, as part of my many years in hospitality, I spent eight years at the Ocean City Hilton, Ocean City, Maryland, 32nd Street. Uh, great time there. So... 
since we are back, I'm going to flip over. We're going to do a few more articles. Uh, then we're going to read a little bit. And then we're going to go through our House of Representatives. So we've got a lot left to do. Uh, but first, wanted to share another article. And this is from United Auto Workers, UAW. Because again, you need a union like you need a car. Lots of great unions out there. UAW, one of them. Um, big three, you know, strike right now, right? Uh, this is great. The UAW workers are fucking with these automakers. Hardcore. I love it. It makes me super happy. They don't know what's going on. The automakers, they've got no clue who's striking, where, what, when. It's phenomenal. Great guerrilla warfare tactic. So again, I, I love this story. This is from UAW.org. This is ZF workers in Alabama mark 10 days on strike. And it talks, it says here, over 100 union workers at ZF chassis systems in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, went on strike Wednesday, September 20, demanding the end of a tier wage system and lower health care costs. So I would encourage you uh, to read this, of course, uh, um, but for me, you know, it's about the pictures, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, many th you know, and, and again, the same point in this article, I think that you would agree when you read it, you're going to find that it's just like what we talk about with the Teamster articles, right? Uh, we're talking about people in smaller facilities, not huge, not huge, 100 people. You can, you can... Your middle school, you know, your high school, you got a class of 100 kids, you understand what that's like. Uh, they are part of a larger strike, and they stand together in, a, in solidarity, right? So if they weren't in a union, you know, this wouldn't work, right? There needs to be some sort of centralized organizing force behind this, and in their case, that's the United Auto Workers UAW. But the story here is the same as in the Teamsters, right? If you read this story, you're going to find out that just like every story we read, the owners, the owners of the capital, the owners have been making buku money. And oh, by the way, the workers haven't been making anything in forever and they're very far behind on getting paid and what's right and what's fair, right? So, um, Again, I'm just going to read a little quote here. Slayton, um, Tammy Slayton, who has worked at ZF for nine years, this is one quote. Slayton says she worked with someone who was 18 years seniority at the company, who started at the company making $18.05 per hour. Quote, he makes $20.30 today after 18 years, unquote. 18 years? 18 years? 18 years? And barely a $2 raise? That's insanity. That is crazy. Nobody should be being treated in that way. Nobody should be making that little money after spending 18 years to place. Are you crazy? That's insanity. Of course, these folks deserve whatever they demand. I mean, are you joking? Um, CF Chassis produces axles for a Mercedes Benz. Has uh, anybody here bought a Mercedes? I thought about buying Mercedes. It wasn't cheap, right? 
Uh, certainly not cheap to keep up. Pay these people what they say that they're worth. Come on. This is insanity. This is insane that after 18 years, barely making any more money? Unacceptable. So again, I think the story here really, you know, for me, it's the same. It's the same story as what we see every story. There's people with power and money and capital, right? They don't give it to the workers. The workers get left behind, as always. And they got to stand up. They got to they gotta join together. Got to get organized. They form a union. And then they get what's theirs. And they will. We really believe that they will. So, a uh, great article. Again, from UAW. Uh, I like that article because it talks again. Same points that I always try to make, right? Unions absolutely are for workplaces that are small, just like yours. They really are. Um, unions support real working people, just like the people you saw, pictures with a thousand words. I look at those workers and I'm like, yeah, I get it. They look like the people that used to work at my hotel, maybe, right? Uh, they don't look like a bunch of Brads and Jennifers with, you know, college degrees in marketing and sweet, cushy work from home jobs. They don't look like that. So I'm, I, I got a feeling that they're being taken care of, you know, by, by people who understand them. And in that case, it's UAW. So we know a lot of great unions out there. Union story is a tale as old as time. Somebody else has all the power and the money. You don't. You got to get what's yours. You get together. You form a union and you tell them to fuck off, right? Uh, don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> so before we move forward and, and, and do more serious business, uh, we're going to take a moment. We're going to read. This is from a book called The Words of Jesus. I tried to find a book that just has the praises of Jesus, you know, straight to uh, front to back, you know, start to finish. Couldn't find a book like it. Tried, tried, tried. But this is a pretty good book. Um, you know, I don't know what version of the Bible it is, but it's pretty pretty okay. I can't, I didn't even look, but it's, it reads, oh, all quotations of scripture taken from the King James Version. Okay. Fine. So this is from Matthew 19, 23. Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Okay, lot to think about there. And our card was William the First, William the First, Archduke of Normandy, becoming the King of England. So a big important thing there. So let's talk about what what does Jesus mean when he says that a rich man hardly entered the King of Heaven? Well, when you die. Because you are a spiritual being going through an earthly experience. This whole place is phony baloney. 
It's not real. Samsara, whatever you want to call it. It's not real. So if you think of yourself as a real person and you think of yourself as a rich person or whatever, uh, that's not real. You're going to come back and you're going to do this circle of life again. And if you think about all oh, the money, the money, the money, the money, um, it's not real. You know, why would you need money when you're dead? You're moving on to a different plane of existence. The hell do you care? I don't understand. And so that's what Jesus really means, right? Because remember, Jesus understands that he's a spiritual being going through an earthly experience. He's not of this place. No, he's in this place, but not of this place, right? Just like you and me. Um, really not that different. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, eye of the needle meant to be in old Jerusalem, a very narrow passage uh, that people would go through to get into the city. But again, you know, what's his point, right? His point isn't that rich people are inherently evil and that money is evil. Absolutely not. Uh, God created the rich people just like God created the poor people. God created the working people and the people who don't work. They're all children of God. But... Some of us, through our dharma, we command wealth with a little bit more power, right? We understand how money works, so they understand how to use money. Again, if you went to an elite institution, you know, like Cornell or like my old boss, he graduated from Penn, Weiss, Wharton, he understands money. He has a lot of it, and he understands how to command it. It doesn't mean that he can't go to heaven. But what does he do with that money, right? Um, does he use it to enhance the lives of the, the poor? And the working people? No. <laughs> so, of course, it's going to be very hard for him to get into heaven. How could he? He sees himself as a unique individual person, not as a child of God going through a spiritual, you know, as a spiritual being going through a human body experience. So that's what Jesus is talking about, right? Jesus is not anti-money. Uh, I think he's anti-people who abuse money. And that is a fine distinction. Uh, I would argue, again, we talk about this every day with elite education. We know that people that go to elite colleges, they make more money. Always, always, always. They just do. And they make a lot more than anybody else. They just do. Um, do most of them do anything good with it? No. Now, I spent the weekend with a bunch of people that make a lot of money with their Ivy League degrees. Uh, with the exception of maybe one of them, um, I don't think they, any of them do anything of value to society. Um, but they consider themselves rich. They'll tell you about that. But they would not tell you that they are spiritual beings going through an earthly experience and that they have an obligation to use what's given to them to take care of the poor and the needy. So, you know, that's what I'm pretty sure Jesus was talking about. Uh, but what do I know? So, again, Matthew 19, 23. Uh, and, it, you know, great end line. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus knows that you have a divine nature to you, yourself, but you don't know that yourself. So, something to think about before we move on. A little good vibrations, a little good reading uh, from one of the holy books. Book of Matthew. We love Matthew. All right. Well, with that in mind, it is time for me to take a breather, a sip of coffee, and then we're going to move over and do Little Caesar, Little Caesar, Chitia Chitia. Be back in just a moment for that.
All righty, and we are back here with uh, one of my favorite segments, of course, because I'm kind of a, I used to be a real nerd about politics and government before I stopped watching the news and shit, which was a great choice for me in my life. Um, maybe not for you. I don't know. I don't think you need it. Uh, again, just learn how to judge. Look at an individual's actions. Learn where to look, and then you'll know what you need to know. But we are back to Little Caesar, cheats ya, cheats ya, where we go through the House of Delegates in Virginia and the Senate, uh, the full General Assembly, and we, we, know we ask some basic questions. Does this person seem like a working person? Probably not. Uh, and that's true of most people go through. You know, we're going to think about their background. We're going to uh, ask how relatable they are. And then we're going to think, you know, about the legislation of which they are the chief patron. We're going to see what they're writing, right? They all get to go to the House and write legislation. That's the only thing they really get elected to do. Uh, so are they doing anything good with it? Well, we haven't seen a lot of good shit so far, but maybe we'll see some more as we dive in. So once again, Little Caesar, cheats ya, cheats ya. And here we are with our first guy, uh, Delegate Barry Knight. So Barry has been in the House or since 2009. That's almost 15 years. It was kind of a long time, but okay, I get it. Uh, let's see. Describe themselves as a male, white, Baptist, born. Uh-oh, oh no, bad news. They were born in 1954. Terrible. Terrible. Dwight David Eisenhower making his way across the White House. Super duper old. When this guy was born, I, I don't even know if Jack Kennedy had been allowed to run for office, right? Um, that's how, I mean, I'm joking, but this guy's really old and that's dangerous as a legislator. Legislators need to be more relatable. Uh, a lot of stuff here. Clean water. A champion of free enterprise. That's scary. Uh, that is usually code for, um, you know, go after the brown, black people and the women. And the gays, although sometimes they leave the gays alone. Gay animals. We're good workers sometimes. <laughs> um, um, wow. All right. Well, let's see what kind of legislating legislation... Uh, Barry has been writing. Do, 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 do. What is this guy even up to? Grants to companies. Well, always iffy. They always take the money and then they lie about it. Economic development. Uh huh. Again, always got to be iffy of that because who is just who? Who defines economic development? Right. Usually, not anybody trustworthy. Uh huh. Okay, well, um, I can't, 
it doesn't look like Barry's done much of anything. I mean, look at all he's celebrating shit. I mean, you guys pay him a salary, and the guy doesn't do dog shit. What a joke. What a joke. Alrighty. Anne Farrell Papa. I met Anne. I met Anne at a restaurant. I met her at a bar. I was sitting up at a bar in Virginia Beach, of which she represents. Uh, I met her husband. Her husband's a lawyer. And very nice. Very nice people, by the way. I have to say, because I met her, I am biased. I literally chit-chatted with this lady um, for a while in a restaurant. Uh, one, two, three, four. Oh, oh she's an Episcopalian. That's why she was so nice. <laughs> I told you, Episcopalians are always nice. Her husband was a Tata. And I thought, is he part of like the Tata group? Um, that made me a little, you know, <laughs> nervous. Uh, so I can't pick on Anne. I did meet her, I have to say. She was super friendly. I don't think she seemed like a relatable working person, but, um, you know, she seemed like a polite, sociable lady. Uh, so, uh, the legislative site, actually, it's not even firing up for Anne, so that's not good. Uh, so we'll have to move on from Anne. Because it didn't, didn't work. <laughs> uh, 83, 84, vacant. So now we're at Karen Greenhall. Uh, again, Virginia Beach, 22. So really new, like that. Portsmouth, white woman, consultant. Uh-oh, bad news. Somebody tells you they're a consultant. I mean this with sincerity. If anybody ever tells you they're a consultant, run, 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 run. Quickly, fastly, with speed, with haste. Let, uh, consultants are not people to trust. They're not. I know more consultants than you're all ever, ever going to be. You don't even know what a consultant is. Just trust me on that. Uh, tobacco surcharge. Eliminates the very... <laughs> okay. Removes the prohibition on using lit amber lights on vehicles operated by federally licensed amateur radio operations. That is a useless thing to do. My goodness. What is this? Oh. Nope. Anti. Yeah, that seems like an anti-trans person uh, piece of legislation. Terrible. Oh, that's good. Business from the clergy. <laughs> oh, here she goes. Informed consent from... <laughs> Ridiculous. Gotta love it. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago, uh, true story, if there's one thing I learned about women, especially straight women, they don't like other women. <laughs> uh... I remember telling that to people when Hillary lost. It's like, you know, women are liars, man. They'll tell you, oh, for women. Women will fucking jump on each other fucking fast. And to see Karen writing, you know, abortion legislation that goes after these women. Yeah, not a shocker, but that's sad to see it. You hate to see it. Irene. All right, Irene. Let's click on you. Let's see what you're up to. 
Irene, 2022. That's good. Uh, we like fresh faces. Female Asian American Buddhist. Love that. California. Hell yeah. A Buddhist. We need more Buddhists. UC Riverside. Um, nonprofit. Love that. Okay. That's kind of cool. Definitely a good thing to see, you know, a woman Buddhist. That's different than what you would normally see. So we like diversity like that. Uh-huh. Arrest without a warrant. Well, okay, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, well, it protects a child from getting bennies. I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's protecting some juveniles. Can't tell. Can't really tell what the heck is going on here. Well, maybe some... Well, I like that. There you go. Fast Food Industry Worker Standard Board. Trying to protect fast food workers. Now that I am all about. That, to me, is the sort of legislation you expect to see from somebody in your house. So we've done uh, Barry and one, two, three, four. And I guess we'll do Suhas. He'll be our fifth one. Subramanyam. Okay. Uh, Suhas, not been around that long, so we like that relatively new. 86, we can't believe that. Uh, Houston, Texas. Indian went to Tulane and then went to Northwestern Law. <laughs> An attorney who went to Northwestern Law, one of the best law schools in the country. Uh, Northwestern, one of the best undergraduate institutes in the country. Uh, right up there with Cornell University, certainly. And again, um, love pointing this out. You know, the Pritzkers, billionaires, made their money at Hyatt, made all of their money on the backs of black and brown women, and they go around naming things and everybody kisses their ass. Terrible. But not Suhas' fault. He didn't name the damn law school. Is he doing good work? Oh, a white collar time to be a white collar crime task force. I'm down with that. Right of yeah, really public. I love that taking down hate stuff. That's good. <laughs> Ooh, to get your pension. Love that. Makes it easier to get pensions. Good. Good. That's good. All right. Can't say that that's the worst stuff I've seen. So maybe a win there. All right. But now, now we got to find out who is paying for these people. Who is lining their pockets, right? Because there always there's the, there's always money somewhere. There's always somebody trying to use money to get what they want. So, Barry Knight. 
yet I don't have a college degree, I don't have a law degree, I don't have anything other than the brain that the good and one true God, the Lord Almighty, gave me. I would argue more important or powerful than a college degree, but whatever. My point is, I'm not a lawyer, I don't have any fancy titles after my name, uh, I'm just a dude with some public website information. So, Barry. Uh-huh. Red alert, Barry, on $450,000 from the power company, Dominion Energy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The realtors, the casino, the beer, wine, and the auto people. Yeah, that is definitely not anybody who is fighting for uh, regular people. So, Barry sounds like a crook. Um... $450,000 from the power company. Are you joking me? $450,000? No working person will ever see that kind of money in their life. All right, Ann Tata. Well, let's see where Ann gets her money. I don't know if her husband's as good as he uh, seems to be an attorney. Probably from him. <laughs> the hell is Studio Center? Uh, and then another person... Bruce Thompson, Bruce Thompson, um, truly a son of a bitch, if ever there were. Bruce owned, oh, owns a bunch of hotels in Virginia Beach. My old boss bought a bunch of his hotels. Um, you know, it's it's a weird story. Bruce pays the workers more, but he treats them personally worse. Neil, my boss, he treated everybody better than Bruce, but he pays us all much less. So, you know, I think that that sums up American capitalism and the dichotomy, right? Either way, you're getting fucked because an asshole like Bruce talks to you like you're not a human and you might get paid okay. Or you're like me, you work for Shameen where, you know, Neil treated me personally all right, but I live paycheck to paycheck. So, of course, Bruce Thompson gave her money. Not a shock. Uh, Bruce Thompson, don't work for one of his hotels. If you work for Bruce or you work for Neil, either way, please come find me. We'll help you form a union. Both of those motherfuckers um, can easily pay you more. You deserve more. You are essentially modern-day slaves for them. And Anne, uh, not shocking that Anne gets her money from people like that. Yeah, Again, can't help but admit she was very nice to me when I met her. At Eurasia, I was having dinner with my friend Nancy. Anne came in, chatted with us, and she was very, very polite. Green Karen. But again, was she polite because I acted because I am a white girl? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Gotta sneeze. Hold tight. All right. Who is paying for Karen? Karen! Karen! Bought and paid for by the Republican Party! And the Dominion Energy Company. Not a shock. Nothing really to say there. Karen paid for by other uh, Republicans, whatever. Uh, you know, no wonder Karen's writing anti-abortion legislation. Fucking ridiculous, you know. There's a special place. <laughs> I don't necessarily believe in hell. I do believe that you can have a bad next life. And I'm telling you. There is a special next life for women who go after other women. There really is um, something to think about. 
Irene Shin. Irene is next. Where is Irene? Getting her money. The Democrats, the Democrats, some guy with some money, but not a lot. Um, not a lot, not, not big money here. Yeah, this actually is pretty small money. Um, so I like that. Truly, you've seen some big money. And Irene ain't big money. And really easy to use this site. Really love that. Um, okay, so, you know, he's a Northwestern lawyer. Of course, he's got his own money. And, you know, he's a Texas Indian, so I don't trust them. Um, I really don't, but I don't know this guy at all. But I'm telling you, I lived in Houston. I work for the Indian owners. Uh, I don't trust him. And I don't like him. But what do I know? Northwestern law degrees probably got enough white guilt. Maybe it kind of chopped all the bad Indian shit out. I hope so. Because I'm going to tell you, Texas Indians, they don't like poor people. None of them. Not one. So hopefully that Northwestern law degree kicked in some white guilt for Suhas. And maybe he's like, ah, I'm trying to be good. Uh, we did like some of his legislation. So uh, that was Little Caesar. Little Caesar. Cheats ya, cheats ya. Um, a mixed bag today at Little Caesar. Some good folks and some not great folks. What are you going to do? All righty. Well, with that in mind, we are going to flip back over uh, to it. We're going to do the Instagram. We're going to go through some some articles real quickly. And some bits and bites. Give me just a moment. Alrighty, and we are back here with some of our Instagram bits and bites. Because again, I gotta tell you, even though it irritates me personally, because I'm old school, uh, a lot of these great orbs put up good bits and bites on their Instagram, so we're gonna share them. Don't know how to share these, I mean, not efficiently, uh, not yet. Kind of I do, but kind of I don't. Uh, but here's a good one. This is from the Progressive Mag, but it's talking about uh, UAW. There's Sean Fame there, but it, it it mentions the article. I'm sorry, it doesn't mention. It talks about one of the tactics that I mentioned in the UAW article. And this, they mention an idea, a strategy of operational chaos, quote, right? So what they're telling us, and I love this, is that by using these sort of guerrilla warfare tactics or the big, you know, automakers they don't know which plant's going to go on strike they don't know which parts are going to be held up where they've got no fucking clue how they're getting fucked next and all of this is being done at a grassroots local level right uh 
to find out, to figure out which strike is happening where. You know, the the owners of these companies and the guys running them, since they're publicly traded, they don't know. If you ever took a good history class, like I did with Mrs. Thompson, Mrs. Thompson teaches you uh, that George Washington and Mao and Ho, they all won for a similar reason is, you know, they, they a lot of reasons, but one of the things that they had in common is they practiced this guerrilla warfare with local people. And I'm telling you, these big companies, what they do, these big companies, they hire people like Sailor Mars. You know, Sailor Mars is a union buster. She gets hired by companies like these big automakers, uh, big ones. She only works for the big guys. And what they do is they try to figure out um, how to stop this, right? Uh, they think they're so smart. You know, my Sailor Mars has her college degree in communications. That's more than I've got. And I do I communicate more effectively and better than Sailor Marks? 100%. Always have, always will. But I'm telling you that because these companies hire people like her to figure this shit out. And what's happening is that dumb dumbs like me, dumb dumbs with no college degree, just working, working people like me, like you, we fucking beat Sailor Mars our own game. Okay. These people, all they do is write playbooks. They write playbooks, they develop these strategies based on things that happened in the past. They've got no clue how to handle things that happen on the cuff or on the fly. And you'll always get them by, by doing these more guerrilla warfare tactics. So uh, great job to Sean and UAW for that. What's next? From Roanoke College, uh, they're, they're, I think this is their grad student union, RCAAUP. I love this. Teacher working conditions are student learning conditions. I've seen that on a bunch of places in education, but it's very important to me. Uh, we talk about education every day, especially elite education, but we know that this is true. Um, I would say, I would argue that this is more true for everyday kind of schools, the schools, good state schools, you know, places where normal people go, uh, not, not normal. Um, this is even more important, you know. You want your students to have a good education. You want them to get the resources that they need being treated well by the faculty and staff that are there to support them. You got to stand up for the teachers first. They'll take care of the kids. I don't know what to tell you. South Carolina and North Carolina to demand a change and not only this Waffle House, but all Waffle Houses across the South. Yesterday, Waffle House workers released a set of demands through a series of in-store actions across the South, demanding safety on the job, an end to mandatory meal deduction, and fair wages for all workers. How wonderful is that? Uh, this is from Raise Up the South and Fight for 15 jointly posting this beautiful piece about Waffle House and and <laughs> uh, insanity, right? The Union of Southern Service Workers standing up for these Waffle House folks, demanding $25 an hour, demanding that me these silly meal deductions be taken out, all of the things. I mean, again, I want to point this out. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I lived in Memphis, kind of the South is the South. Waffle House is huge in the South. This is a working job. 
the people at these working jobs are not treated kindly. They're not treated with respect, dignity, love, and compassion, not only by their owners, but also by the patrons, right? Have you been to a Waffle House? Have you been to a Waffle House drunk? My gosh. Uh, everybody that goes into a Waffle House, especially after they've had a few, they act like fucking morons. Um, you probably act like a fucking idiot when you've been to a Waffle House, uh, especially if you've been drinking. Uh, it's a hard job. You know, there's nothing worse than being on the job and being demeaned and assaulted. I got to tell you, when I worked front desk, people would be the rudest people all the time to me, all the time, every day. Uh, I worked front desk probably three years, full time, three years, three and a half. Uh, I was never, I, I, I can probably count on two hands the amount of times where I felt valued as a human being by the guest. Uh, my boss, fantastic boss, best boss I've ever had. He always took good care of us. <laughs> no union needed by me at the Harrison Group. Uh, I don't know how they feel now, but I, I probably wouldn't have voted for one. Um, Probably, I don't know, maybe, probably not. Uh, my point is this, service work is hard work. I love, I wish that they had a better website, but they don't. <laughs> Nobody has good websites, but everybody has good social. Um, these workers do the jobs that white, even black and brown educated people with fancy college degrees, they don't do it. They don't do it and they never think of these people as human again. They leave for college, 18, they go to... Uh, where did that last person move? He went to Northwestern. It went to Tulane. You go to Tulane. You go to Northwestern. You're done. You're done. You're never thinking of of ever having to work on a Waffle House again. Maybe, maybe if you're working fast, you know, before you went to a good school. Uh, maybe you're in the South. Maybe you had a teenage job at the Waffle House before you went to Vanderbilt or Duke, and uh, that's groovy. Except once you got into Vanderbilt or Duke. You're never, ever, 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 ever thinking about a working job again. You are never thinking about what it is like to be treated like shit uh, by, 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 by the guests or the patrons or the owners of the bosses. And these workers are treated like shit. Good for them for standing up. We support them 120%. Whatever it is they feel that they deserve, give it to them. My goodness, give it to them. Again, another great post. This is right from Rays of the South, sharing that same Waffle House story. So I, I just, the, these workers do not get enough attention and love. Uh, unreal how abused they are. Another article here, sharing this piece from uh, DC Jobs with Justice. Defend Sam, they're talking about La Colombe illegally, illegally firing Sam Dickinson. Uh, read this post, ridiculous what they're doing to this worker. Again, for talking about organizing and unionizing, they find a phony excuse to fire them. And that's what they do. That's what they do. Uh, they know they're going to get away with it, right? Because by the time somebody complains, stands up uh they're usually already gone so you know that happened all the time every day to workers who stand up this is great because jobs with justice and other folks standing up to say absolutely not <clears throat> if i still lived in dc i absolutely would have been there this morning at the carnegie library 
7th and K, the world's largest Apple store, um, to stand up and defend Sam. Absolutely bullshit that that is happening in a city we love. Uh, absolutely terrible. So stand up with Sam. And again, one final from me to another final bite here from Raise Up the South. Once an angry customer had a handgun in her waistband while she was cursing us out. I thought, what happens if she starts shooting? Our safety demand is important. We, the workers, need to have a say in setting up our safety plans, says John, a Waffle House worker in Orangeburg, South Carolina. These folks are getting shot at, and they're not even making 30 grand a year. They can't even live a decent life. My gosh, right? Can't do it. Um, unreal. So we love some of those bits and bites from Instagram. Uh, again, Instagram doing a decent job of uh, getting us some quick little bites of news. So maybe one of these days I'll figure out how to link to all of them. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I can't. It just takes a different way to do things. So what can you do? Um, before we do another story story, another article, uh, I do want to read again just a little bit here. From our favorite book, one of our favorite books, Culture Warrior, Bill O'Reilly found this on the Take a Book Legal Book in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Southern Pines. Not a place for working people. <laughs> Uh, Southern Pines, big military industrial complex kind of town. Dwight Eisenhower trying to warn us about the military industrial complex, but nobody listened to old Dwight. So, uh, we have Queen Mary here from our car. Queen Mary, bloody Mary, if you will. Bloody Mary. <laughs> uh, one of the first Queen of England. However, a <laughs> from the House of Tudor, <laughs> Queen of England, uh, only for a handful of years, she really vehemently pro a fervent Catholic, as we learned one of our word of the days, um, killed a lot of the Protestants. That's bad. That's bad. So, you know, not very good at being queen. Uh, luckily, her sister, much better at being Queen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Henry VIII, only child surviving with his daughter, uh, only surviving daughter, child by Catherine of Aragon. Um, no good. So thankfully, after she kicked it, Queen Elizabeth, much better monarch ruling. So it's something to think about, a little history Bloody Mary, Queen Mary I, the House of Tudor, eventually replaced by her sister, the much better Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> the first, the first. Isn't it great? Two great monarchs in English history. Probably my chief favorite, both Elizabeth. Phenomenal. All right, but reading from Bill O'Reilly, Culture Warrior. This is from Chapter 8, Where's Mine? The motto, E Pluribus Unum, means, from many, one thereby reflecting the integration of the 13 colonies into one country. Subsequently, the words took on a deeper meaning as immigrants from all over the world brought their talents and energy and desire for freedom 
to the United States, fueling its rapid rise in power and prosperity. Yes, it's an old story that may have put you to sleep in high school, but it's worth thinking about. The United States is the strongest nation the world has ever seen because so many pulled together to create the one. But in today's culture from many one, no longer applies on the secular progressive side. Their motto might be, where's mine? <laughs> Remember, the SPs believe that the government has an obligation to provide Americans with prosperity and happiness. This philosophy is, of course, in direct conflict with the vision of the Founding Fathers. They did not want the government to provide. They wanted to, it to get out of our way. They imagined designing a system where, whereby freedom and capitalism would give most Americans an opportunity to pursue happiness. What you did with that opportunity was up to you. Of course, it is certainly true that Americans born into poverty do not have the same opportunity as those born into wealth. There are also many kinds of inequities like innate intelligence in play in America and everywhere else. In addition, as acknowledged earlier, the sad truth is that for more than 200 years, most black Americans were systematically deprived of the right to pursue happiness, and Native Americans were brutalized as Americans as America was being settled. Thus, the government today does owe African and Native Americans and the poor in general more attention and specific entitlement programs to help level the playing field. On that, most traditionalists and SPs can agree. But the SP notion that the U.S. government has the right to seize private property uh, or redistribute legally earned income from the affluent to the poor runs counter to the founding spirit in every American way. From Bill O'Reilly, Chapter 8, Where's Mine? All right. So uh, let's think about that. You know, yesterday I talked to a friend of mine, a mentor, a great labor leader here in Virginia, and we always talk about how good Fox News is at doing what they do. Because in the labor space, um, there is no Fox News. There's nobody that's telling you how to make the money you deserve, how to get what you need in life by organizing and forming you. Ain't nobody talking to you like that, right? Bill, on the other hand, understands. Bill understands how to communicate and how media works. So notice what Bill did in that passage we talked about. For one... Bill talked about the Founding Fathers, right? Oh, God, I'll harken back to the old Founding Fathers. Oh, out of many, one great Latin motto. Well, sounds lovely. Bill then, he does a great technique, a technique that Mrs. Foley taught me in high school, and that's a concession. You see, when you want to win an argument, you always got to give a little. You got to give a little, and then you take. And Bill, Bill did what Mrs. Foley taught me to do, I don't know, 20 years ago. <laughs> Bill said, hey, blacks and Native Americans sadly have been treated badly, so we owe them a little bit. Huge win for Bill, right? Now, Bill gets to establish himself as a moderate. Bill can say, well, I'm in the middle because I think slavery is evil. I'm in the middle because I think the Native Americans have had it rough. But, you know, rich people should keep every dime they have. What? Notice how Bill took a phony middle-of-the-road stance, right? I think slavery was wrong, and maybe we owe him a, a buck or two. He used that to anchor to a point 
And now he just has to go a little bit, you know, to the to the left of it, right? Or to the right of it. And he gets to be seen as a hero by anchoring in at a crazy point on the spectrum. Uh, I don't I don't think it's really math. Because we're here to do the math, not the math. But I want you to understand what Bill just did. Kind of a math example. Because Bill cheated you by using the power of perspective and magnitude. So I'm going to draw a line. And on the line, we're going to have, you know, a, a spectrum of ideology. So on the far left of the spectrum, we will put, I don't know, We'll put the furthest left-wing nutcase thinkers you, you've got out there. Uh, a lot of them are in labor. They're all these, you know, Marxist hippies. So uh, we will put the crazy, you know, Marxist nuts over here. These are people that are like, man, eat the rich. Get rid of the banks, man. They're the nuts, okay? And then there's the far right. <laughs> uh, you know, most of these people, they're your modern... Modern Nazis, you all know them. Shit, if you're me, you even have a couple of personal friends and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're modern-day Nazis. Uh, very real. We talk about them like they're not real, but they are real. They are real. Okay? Now, Bill, Bill just cheated you, right? Bill claims that he is dead middle because he claims this is where Bill wants you to think. Bill just told you, well, you know, I, I think the blacks have it hard. Um, Bill, we'll call him Bill O'Reilly. He just told you, well, I think the blacks have it hard. I think the Native Americans have it hard. So I, I'm going to tell you that they need something. <laughs> but then, you know, so, so Bill tells you he's in the middle. But then what does Bill do? All of Bill's policies and ideas, Bill's ideas... are in a zone, if you actually listen to him and read him, which I did for many, 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 many years. I own most of his books. I watched him nearly every night on The Factor, 8 p.m., Fox News, Channel 25, where I live, Channel 50 at work, right? So Bill, he tells you by using sentences like, well, I agree that we should give black people and Native Americans something. He tells you he's in the middle, but look at that shaded area, right? Unfortunately, that's where Bill's views lie. So Billo, very clever, right? He tells you he's one place by making a statement like, well, I go after the Bush administration, and then people go, well, he must be in the middle. He's not. Actually, if you listen to what he says, he's much closer to the nutties than not. Is he a nut? No, I don't think I've ever heard Bill O'Reilly go off on a crazy, crazy, I mean, well, not ever, but he's not nearly as crazy as most of the people at Fox. He really isn't. I've listened to more Fox than any of you. Um, so that's, that is kind of a math because he's lying to you about where on the scale he is by saying one thing and doing that concession. But then if you read what he actually writes in the rest of the book, he's far, far scarier. So that's a very powerful tactic.
um, that very smart people do. Unfortunately, I will tell you uh, that the last labor person to be that clever, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> actually, probably Joe Biden. Um, but aside from that, Roosevelt, Franklin, right? Franklin Delano Roosevelt won a war. He won the war. Um, very pro-military. Very, you know, it was a good. It was the last. Well, the Cold War was a good war. World War II, truly the last violent, really, really violent. I mean, Cold War very violent in some places. But World War II, the last violent war, the last war before the internet, um, the last time you really needed to send troops over to fight a global evil that uh, bad news bears. Uh, so Roosevelt gets to be the wartime president, right? He uses that sort of position to then absolutely radically transform government to support, serve, um, and protect working people for the first time ever. First time ever in this country's history did you have that happen in a real powerful way. So um, you can use that power for good, claiming a stake over on one end to do work on the other. Roosevelt, good example of that. Bill O'Reilly and all of his buddies, bad example. Or a good example of how to use it for bad energy. So, uh, really powerful guy, Bill. Um, I think it's really important that we read people like him, Art of the Deal, every day. Because these books sell millions of copies. They influence millions of people because they're well-written. The, com- the ideas are well-communicated. And quite frankly, it's not hard to start at page one, end up at page you know 150 or wherever, and go, yeah, I get it. 190 whatever get it so good job billo you really make it easy to understand <laughs> um with that you know since we started to do some math uh, i actually do want to turn it over and do some math not some math so we are we're going to do the math not the math you want to do math Watch Breaking Bad, great show, Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston, great SAG AFTRA kind of leader, really gets it. Um, great show. I told you one of my fraternity brothers, his dad worked on the show. You see his name like every episode. It's great, nonviolent show. Very dark themes, very violent writing, but not violent cinematography, which is very important to me. I talk about that a lot, right? Uh, Queen Mary of England. We'll make sure her notes are in there as well. So in order to do the math, not the math this morning, we're going to go back to an article that we've shared many times. This is the union difference from AFL-CIO. Uh, we're going to do a different example this time. We're going to talk about, you know, what it means. We've done, um, I think we've done a black man as an example. I think we've done a Latina woman. Uh, so let's today do a white woman. This is from AFL CIO. Founded by Samuel Gompers. I saw a lot of Samuel Gompers shit when I was in DC. Samuel Gompers, the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, I think. Uh, and what they talk about here on this chart is you know they got data points and they go well you know what are you making if you're not in the union what are you making if you are right so 
we would like to do a white woman for today's example. And what their data is telling us is that if you are a white woman, if you are non-union, they're saying that you make eight seventy-seven a week. And if you are union, they're saying that your weekly take-home pay is $1,085. So we're going to do two things here. We're going to compare them uh, to see what we make a year, and then we're going to compare that against the budget that we kind of got from United Way of Alice, right? All right. So this is our setup for the math board. Let me pull this over here. All right. So you would agree, uh, AFL-CIO, they're telling you um, if you're a white woman, you know, these are the numbers, union or not, right? And again, that light's there, so I'm sorry for the glare. What can you do? All right. So we know that at 877 per week, we're going to multiply that times 52 weeks per year, right? Um, and that's going to give us a number. Same with over here at 1085 per week. We're going to multiply that at 52 weeks per year because we need our units to cancel. Mrs. Shock will be very angry if our units don't cancel. Mrs. Shock, my high school chemistry and physics teacher, um, Mrs. Shop holds a master's degree from the University of Pennsylvania School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Is that a better school than the College of Engineering at Cornell? Not really. Not really. But uh, that's pretty damn, 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 damn good. <laughs> and I'm just fucking around. This is excellent. Engineer. You want to go be an engineer? Go to Penn. Come on. Just don't go to Wharton. All right. So intuitively, uh, we're thinking to ourselves, well, 52 is like 50. 877 is kind of like 900, so it should be, I don't know, close to $45,000 a year, something like it. So 52 times 877 is indeed $45,604, okay? All right. Well, what is that 1085 union person making? Well, again, we're thinking 52 like that should should be close to $51,000, maybe more. I don't know. Oh, it's a lot more. All right. That came out to be $56,420 per year. All right. So there's some numbers for you. 45000 versus $56,000. Um, again, who's making more? Obviously, the union person's making more, right? By how much? Well, you can subtract the difference, uh, which we're going to do. You can do it in your head, too. You're like, man, what's the difference between 56 and 45? It's about 10, right? So the union worker makes an extra... 
$10,816 per year. Extra almost eleven grand from the union, right? Not to mention the fact that they're probably getting better benefits and probably don't have to pay extra for benefits. So they're really making some big extra money there. Um, but what does that look like per hour, right? So, you know, that's the next question, right? Is most working people, when we talk, we don't talk about money per year. We talk about money per hour. So what is $45,604 a year per hour? Well, we know, because I'm going to teach you this number a million times. There's 52 weeks in a year, and there's 40 hours of work in a week. You multiply that together, and it's 2080. So we know always 2080 hours per year of work. That's another special number we're going to write on our, you know, arm and never forget it. So, we know that if we make $45,604 a year, we know that if there are 20, 80 hours per, in, in that same year, right, we can divide. So, we're going to take that 45,604. We're going to divide that by 2,080 hours in a year. And that is equal to $21.00. 93 cents per hour. That's what they're saying the non-union lady makes, but that's a lot more than anybody I know in Richmond. And then they're telling us that at the union, somebody making $56,420 divided by 2080 hours in a year, they're making $27.00 and 13 cents an hour plus benefits that they get from being in a union right so look at that there's an easier way to compare what afl just told us than the white woman who's non-union she's making 21 dollars 93 cents an hour on average no benefits the union person is making $27.13 an hour, plus, you know, whatever other benefits they negotiated. So I think it's very clear to see when we do the math, not the math, when we do the math, very easy to see that the union difference is a lot more money, a lot more money to buy the hour, more money per year, and the benefits on top of that. So we love that. Um, great data from AFL-CIO. We've shared that many times. We're going to keep sharing because it really helps me understand the union difference, and I hope it helps you understand the union difference, right, and what they can really be making when they're in a union. Because you need a union like you need a car, we say this all the time, every day. Uh, and I'm sorry if you can hear my ice maker. Yikes. But you need a union like you need a car. Lots of different unions, lots of different cars out there. Which one is the one for you? We don't know, but we will help you find it. That's for darn sure. So a great article again here from Unite here. You need a union like you need a car. 
Is Unite here the one that you need? Maybe. Maybe, I'm not sure. But Unite here, uh, this is from their newsroom, uh, September 29th. Detroit casino workers vote 99% yes to authorize a strike. As they negotiate for higher wages, workers vote overwhelmingly in favor of strike authorization at all three Detroit casinos. Um, I'm gonna again. You can read this article. We will link to it. Uh, some quotes here worthy of note. Right. So this is from uh, Naya Winston, Unite Here, local 24 president. Workers are fed up in an economy that is broken. Costs keep going up, but when profits came back to the gaming industry, they didn't go into workers' pockets, just like auto workers, Blue Cross Blue Shield staff, UPS workers, writers, and hotel workers. Detroit casino workers are considering all options available to make sure one job at a Detroit casino is enough to raise a family on. We expect the casinos to heed our concerns to avoid a strike. I love that. Very well said from uh, Naya Winston at Local 24 Unite here. Because it's the truth, right? It's what we talk about all the time. I keep saying it again and again and again. It does not matter. Doesn't matter who the worker is and in what industry. Doesn't matter. The people at the top have the power. They've got the money. They've got the social, financial, and educational capital that will restrict your ability to get what you deserve. You gotta stand up and you gotta take it from them. You gotta. I don't know what else to tell you. You can't go to them and go, oh, please, we saw you made more money than we have. So, absolutely not. Um, the only person in your life who you're ever gonna meet who has gone to the owner or the boss and said, hi, I want more money and you're gonna give it to me is me. Uh, only Tony Miller can get away with that kind of nonsense. You can't do it on your own. You absolutely can't. You don't have um, the social or educational capital that I have, right? You don't have it. And because you don't have it, you got to get together and form a union. You got to do it. I don't know what else to tell you. If you have a Harvard diploma, then maybe you can get it on your own. But you don't. So, you know, your kids will. We know that. But you've got to stand together, organize, because you don't have social capital. You don't have educational capital. And Lord knows none of us have financial capital. That's money. So uh, if you want to earn that labor.money, that's our website, labor.money. You want to earn that money. You need a union like you need a car. You need to get organized. You need to get together. You know, these folks at, in Detroit, they know that, right? They understand that these companies are making buku bucks. They're doing fine. Nobody at the top is hurting anymore. They've either had the government bail them out or they've made it back through raising revenue and cutting costs. Either way, combination of both most likely, right? So again, sharing this article from Unite here. You need a union like you need a car. Unite here. Very likely may be the union you need to get the wages, benefits, and working conditions that you deserve, that you earn. The companies that you've been working for have been cheating you out of it Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Okay? Don't trust them. Don't support them. You're not a family. They can't throw enough pizza parties at you. Don't trust them. Unite here. Stick it up for you. True story, right? Um, why aren't these people sticking up for you? Well, 
every day we read and talk with the Cornell Daily Sun. Uh, we read about them yesterday, you know. Again, these are people who are running huge, huge budgets and their children. These are people who go to college and they think, you know, their version of what's next is to be running big companies, right? Uh, these children are only 20 years old and literally in here they're talking about $65,000, 35,000 here, 30,000 there, 40,000 there. Here's a kid who's 21 years old and he's literally uh, an elder person on the town council in Ithaca doing shit, right? That's what happens when you go to these elite colleges. They expect you to do big things in the world. You do. These are high performing people. You know, they walk into a room and you can sense the energy that they bring. It doesn't matter. And they will roll you if you don't stand up to them. They'll walk right over you. They don't care. Again, 20 years old and they're managing budgets and shit with tens of thousands of dollars. Um, they only get better as they age, right? Or, you know, they write for the newspaper as a sports editor one day. Next thing you know, this guy's at Columbia Law School making big money for some big firm because he's got to get the hell out of debt. True story for that guy in the back. Uh, true story. So we talk about this every day. The owners of capital often are the folks who went to elite education uh, institutions. And then they use that education to get those strong paying jobs. Uh, we've talked about that every single day, right? You know, you go to Harvard, you're going to end up making buku money out of Harvard. So it just, it is what it is. Um, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Here is something from the Crimson. Crimson's the Harvard paper. Nearly seven in ten seniors will be making more than 70 grand out of their first year of college. That's 2022. Okay. Um, in addition, roughly 30% of graduates, 30% of 22-year-olds, are going to be making more than $110,000. These kids are 22 years old, making 110 grand or more right out of college. You think they're going to come fight for a working person? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. These kids are going to work for companies that are going to stop unions. They're going to stop the rich people or they're going to stop the, the poor working people like us from organizing, right? Um, great college, best college ever, but their kids go on to make money and when they make money they are not gonna fight for working people i'm so sorry i wish they were but they're not maybe with their new president she'll encourage them to do something good with their lives but uh she can only do so much right what are you gonna do you're gonna get organized and then you're gonna send your kid to harvard so you know you need a union like you need a car 
but you want your kid to make that money. You want your kid to never have to worry about this shit again in their life for not just them, but their children, their children, children, children. My gosh, send them to Harvard. I don't know what to tell you. So before we go, uh, one last article and then one last piece. This is a piece from the Department of Labor. Uh, you know, we stand up for labor. And I, I, I love the Department of Labor. Under Julie Sue, uh, our friend Betty Hung over at Labor, they are really supporting workers. And it's another reason you got to make sure uh, old Joe gets reelected, right? And he loves labor. So you got to love that about old Joe. Um, and I'm not going to read all this article because, again, you can read them. This is a great example about a person named Reagan Ferguson. He uh, worked at a dental center in Indiana. Uh, did not get the overtime she deserved, right? Uh, she contacted her HR. They told her to fuck off. So you know what she did? She did what all of you should do when you were getting cheated. She went and she called one eight six six for US wage, right? She called the Department of Labor and filed a confidential complaint. So putting that website here so that you always know that you can call. It's okay. Call them Monday to Friday, eight to four thirty PM. Um you can send them an email. You can file a complaint online. But this is a true story. You know, by filing a complaint, she was able to get uh, more than $22,000. $22,000. And her company owed her because the Department of Labor went after them. Right? Remember, Department of Labor works for Joe Biden. Uh, Julie Sue works for Joe Biden. This is, a, this is a branch of the federal government, the executive branch, the president's branch, right? U.S. Department of Labor legit website can't make it up and so it's a true story you know i learned this when i was department of labor these folks they will fight for you you gotta file a complaint you gotta start but you can start by making a phone call with confidentiality you really can um is it a shame that you gotta do that you gotta fight these people yeah it's shitty but uh it can work it can and so if you have been cheated you know, obviously, you don't want to be cheated again to form a union. You know, they're going to make sure that shit don't happen, uh, obviously. But the Department of Labor, on top of helping, you know, you get organized and form a union, uh, they will help you. So you don't have to be in a union to get help from the Department of Labor. Give them a ring, file a complaint, and they can take it from there, truly. And it, it will, it can work. It can work. We just saw that. So very great story there. All right. Well, before we go, we're going to do one more reading. Fun one. We're going to read from the illustrated Black History book, right? So we love this great book. We've found some cool people so far. We're going to find some more people. All right. Well, we just opened up to a random one. 
This is Baby Esther Jones. 1918 Unknown. Baby Esther has been heralded as the child wonder of Paris and is creating sensation wherever she appears. Chicago Defender. The popular riff, whoop, 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 the standard catchphrase of the character Betty Boop, derived from a style of performance that Baby Esther Jones created in her career as a Harlem jazz singer. She was born Esther Lee Jones in Chicago. Her career began at age six when she won a dance contest for performing the Charleston. A theater manager spotted the little girl's talent, and soon seven-year-old Jones was on tour. As a youngster, she played venues in Chicago, Detroit, and Toronto. In New York, Jones performed on the nightclub circuit in Harlem, including at the Revered Cotton Club. She toured Europe in 1929. The Chicago Defender reported that she was the highest-paid child artist in the world, in Europe, she performed for royalty. King Alfonso and Queen Victoria Eugenie of Spain and King Gustav and Queen Victoria of Sweden were all enthralled with her singing and dancing. In Paris, people called her a miniature Josephine Baker. But for me, Baby Esther Jones is an avatar. She's illustrated in this book for a reason. Jones, her life, her art, her signature, boop, boop, ba-doom, uh, capable of invoking an entire persona, is a stand-in for every black person whose artistry has been stolen by white people. She's the embodiment of cultural appropriation and what that does to the sense of self. We black folk are distressingly familiar with having pieces of ourselves stolen with no recourse. The inability to attain anything close to justice creates emotional scars. Baby Esther Jones, when she's remembered at all, is seen as a footnote of history. But, properly contextualized, her artistry is a pillar of history in American culture. Jones didn't get recognition or remuneration for essentially being the precursor of one of the most enduring cartoon characters in the history of American animation. And although problematic sexual and race-based stereotypes certainly emerge from any over-sexualization of a black child, the stage banter Jones created was part of an influential style of the period. That style was later co-opted by white artists effectively becoming a complex case study in appropriation. Baby Esther Jones was more, of course, than the cartoon she inspired. A child started toward domestically and abroad. She was a true jazz age entertainer, employing the arts of dance and song through the 1930s. Her whereabouts after that period remain unknown, but her impact lives on that again is Baby Esther Jones from the Illustrated Black History. Uh, a wonderful show this morning here on the Labor Network, the morning show for me and Grumpy. Uh, grumpy, you know, he gets grumpy when he hears about union busting. He gets grumpy when he hears about how the Department of Public uh, Utilities in Richmond treats their people. So, you know, that's why he's grumpy. I don't know what to tell you. But we're grateful you tuned in and are listening to the show. We know that you can vibrate a life of health and wealth by getting organized, forming a union, demanding the wages, benefits, and working conditions that you deserve. Uh, if you need more information, give us a ring, 804-446-0469. Send us a text, leave us a message, give us a call, share your story. We can't wait to hear from you. Info at tln.1, www.labor.money, a million ways to connect with us. But again, I'm Tony Miller. This is Grumpy. We love you. Love and solidarity from the morning show on the Labor Network. And we will see you tomorrow.